Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School Podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. Uh, like Reagan said, my name is Connor. I get to serve here um, at Eastview as the online campus pastor. And some people say, oh, if you're the online pastor, why are you, why are you here? You should be, shouldn't you be on a screen? And, and I am. I, I talk to video quite a bit for my job. Um, I do our pre-service and post-service. I'll speak at some of our different campuses. Um, I do social media stuff. Um, my job is really eclectic. And in church world right now, this role is evolving. People do it in many different ways. But I'm super glad to be here. Um, I'm a native of Orlando, born and raised. Um, and my wife, uh, Michaela, uh, she's from Indianapolis, born and raised. And so when we decided to move, we wanted to be a little closer to family. And so God brought us to central Illinois. People always ask why. Like, why, why this place? And I just say, uh, there was an opening. We have family close by. And I knew that when we visited ECU for the first time, we knew this was going to be the place. We knew that this church home was worth moving to and investing in, even if it is in central Illinois, which we're actually fans of. We like central Illinois. Does, everyone, does anyone actually love their hometown, love living here as a true townie and embraces it? A few, a few of us. Okay, well, I'm here, so don't discourage me. Still, still liking it here. Well, I mentioned earlier, um, well, actually, one more quick thing. So my wife's name is Michaela. We have a daughter named Presley. Uh, she is, she's 17 months old, and I can't wait till she gets to two years so we can stop tracking the months. We're, we're close. But uh, we have a, a baby on the way, and uh, we're going to name her Harper. Uh, she's due at the end of January, so we're really excited. Lots of stuff, yes. Lots of, lots of stuff happening in the Wood Home, uh, and we're really excited to be here. But I mentioned that one of my jobs here at Eastviews, I, I help with our social media. So if you follow the main account, Eastview Church, that's the handle, you'll see lots of different stuff. And I help speak into that. I help plan that content. Um, and so with having that job means that I get to spend a lot of time on my phone. And I get to spend a lot of time watching videos. Michaela, my wife, is not a big fan of this, but I say, Michaela, this is for the Lord. This is what I must do to bless people. Uh, like in this moment. So there's, a, there's an account, um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's called like Big Dos, D-A-W-S. Basically, it's these guys, and they prank people. They're hilarious. They do it all over uh, the west part of the, of the country. Um, they do giveaways. They're hilarious. And one of the main guys who leads it, his name is Dawson, okay? So Big Dos is the account. Dawson is one of the personalities. And uh, one of the videos I saw, it's a little old, but... I thought it was funny because the NBA has started back. One of the hot teams right now is the Golden State Warriors. They're 9-1. and one. And the guy on the left, that's Dawson. And if you know the NBA at all, you'll know the person to the right of him is Clay Thompson. Do you think they look alike? Just a little bit? Yeah. Dawson's a little, little more fluffier in some areas. But nonetheless, he is, he looks very much like Clay Thompson. So, um, I couldn't put the video up here, but you got to check this video out on your own time. So basically what he does is, Dawson, he puts on Clay Thompson's jersey, he rents a Lamborghini, and he goes to Oracle Arena where the Golden State Warriors play, and he goes to like the player VIP parking area, okay? So it's him and a buddy in the car, and 
you know, they're talking to the camera and they're like, dude, there's no way that they're going to let us go into player parking. Sure enough, they pull up to the guard and, you know, you think, would a, does an NBA player ever wear his jersey when he's going up to the arena? Probably not, but this guard is freaking out because he goes, oh, it's Clay Thompson, let's get a picture. And so Dawson and his buddy go through the first checkpoint and they're going into the tunnel these randos are going into the tunnel of Oracle Arena and people are taking selfies with them. He goes onto the court and then finally, security, like people are, are actually doing their jobs and they realize there is a person who is impersonating Clay Thompson and he's on the court. He made it through player parking, VIP, the whole experience, all because he looked like Clay Thompson. Crazy. Yeah, so on YouTube after church, I should recommend a next step at spiritual, but on your own time after church, look up Big Doss and Dawson and person and Clay Thompson. You won't regret it. But here's the, the point of, of bringing this up. So in the passage we're going to be kind of sitting in today, talking about, there's this reality. It's a very simple reality. By simply taking steps to look like Jesus, Becoming more like him. Doing the things that he did. Living the same lifestyle that he did. It can change the way God looks at us. Just like when Dawson was going through VIP player parking and all the people are freaking out and they're looking at him differently just because he simply looked like Clay Thompson. The same thing happens for us. If we want to be students who want God to view us differently. He already loves us unconditionally. But if we want him to be in his presence, to be embraced by him, we want to experience all that God has to offer. Taking steps of looking like Jesus is the first way to go. And so that kind of brings us to our passage. Um, If you have your Bibles, maybe the Bible app, go to Mark 1. Mark 1, a couple verses, nothing, nothing crazy today for us. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Before I read that, I want to kind of give a roadmap of where we're going today. I believe because today is Baptism Sunday, which is awesome, we're going to have a baptism later in the service, which is really exciting. One of the steps that we can take to look more like Jesus is by getting baptized. And thank you. In fact, I believe getting baptized makes us look more like Jesus. But as I was looking at this verse uh, this week, I just, I try to not be someone who thinks they know the Bible better than anyone else. I want to approach it with humility. And I just asked a bunch of questions. So I'm doing something a little different that I've never really done when I've spoken with students, okay? I just want to ask four questions. And I want to invite you into these questions, okay? So the first question is this, what is baptism? What is it? Maybe you've grown up in church, you've been at Eastview since you were a baby, and you know the answers to that. That's great. There might be some of you in the room who have heard this word being used, but you're vaguely familiar with it, it rings a bell, but you don't fully know, and that's great, we're going to talk about that. And then, based on what baptism is, the second question I'd like for us to ask is, Why does Jesus get baptized? This verse, this passage in Mark 1, Jesus himself, perfect, blameless, holy Jesus gets baptized. But why does he need to? We'll we'll, we'll talk about that as well. 
The third one is, how does getting baptized make you look more like Jesus? How? And then finally, we'll bring it home with, why should we get baptized? Why should we get baptized? Did anyone write those four questions down? Anyone taking notes? All right, keep those written down. I may call on you and say, hey, what's question number three? And then you can bring it up and help me out. So let's uh, read Mark 1, and then we'll pray. And let's just walk through these questions together. Mark 1, 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to to gather. It's a privilege. We've learned over the last year and a half that gathering means something and it matters and we don't want to take that for granted. You've already been invited here. We know you are here, but we ask that your spirit who has already been moving would continue to move and inspire us, convict us, um, and be with us. Teach us and lead us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So we've been in this series called Beginnings. Beginnings. And we're looking at many different beginnings. And But today we're going to kind of zoom in from the passage I just read, and we're going to focus on Jesus' launch of his ministry. His ministry is launched by his baptism. So what is baptism? That's our first question to answer today. And I love that Zach and Ratasha's wedding happened this weekend because I believe when I first think about what baptism is, I think of it as a wedding. Okay, so if you had the opportunity to attend, it was an open ceremony. Who was able to, to be at the wedding this weekend to see Zach and Ratasha? Okay, decent number of us. So they actually stood on the stage. It happened in this room. Uh, senior Pastor Mike, he was about right here. And then Zach and Ratasha were in front of him. And there are three elements of a wedding service that I believe translate to what baptism is, okay? The first thing that they did on the stage was they held hands, and Zach was bawling like a baby, as he should, and they were standing face to face, and Mike asked them to profess their love for one another, to to enter into a vow together. I do, and I do is what they both said. They both love each other, and they commit their lives to each other until death separates them. That's the first piece when I think about baptism and how weddings connect. The second is that there's an external symbol, okay? For weddings, if I can get this off, uh, it's a wedding ring. I lost mine in El Salvador a couple weeks ago, so here's here's my rubber Amazon ring. But this ring, if I take it off, it doesn't mean I'm not married to Michaela anymore. It just simply... represents the moment that we took that vow together. If I take this off, I can still go back to that place and go, yeah, I I remember how beautiful that was and how big of a deal that was. But what it tells everyone else is that, hey, this guy is married. And people look at Michaela and go, oh, she's married. That means that something big happened in life and it was a wedding. So we'll connect this to what baptism is, but let let me finish these three connections. 
The third, if I can remember what the third one is, the third is that when you get married, when you go through a wedding, it, it, it changes everything. If you're sitting in the seats and you see a wedding happen, you're like, oh, that's cool. They got married, they're going to go eat food, and they get to party. They get to be married. That's like the wedding in a married person's life is like 0.0001% of what represents a marriage. It's an incredible moment. It's beautiful. It's needed. It's necessary in order to begin your life together. But that's just a moment. Like, a, like when you think about someone's life and they're spending it with someone else, you think about the relationship that's formed and it begins at the altar. It begins at a wedding, but there's so much happening not only around you, but in you. Like I'm 27 today. My wife is 24 and we're babies. Like we're young people who got married. We're babies having babies. We have a 17-month-old and another one on the way. And we're changing so much. Our marriage four years ago looks completely different than it does today. And that's what happens when you begin the process of getting married. So how these all connect to baptism, just like when Zach and Natasha were professing their vows for one another, baptism starts by declaring to yourself, to the people around you, and most importantly to God, that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And it's very important to note that baptism is not a singular event. I can't just, if this room is empty, I can't just go into that baptistry myself and then plunge in backwards and say, all right, I'm baptized. It doesn't work that way. It wasn't designed that way. Baptism is a verbal declaration declaration that happens publicly, just like it happens at a wedding. And second, just like a wedding ring is an external symbol of a marriage, of a wedding event, being immersed fully into water is an external symbol of something that is happening inside of us that no one else can see. The water, there's nothing special about this water. Like today, we're going to have a baptism, and it's a jacuzzi. It's hot water. It's nice. It would be the same thing you take a bath in. It's not holy water. It's not miracle water. But what's miracle about it and what's special about it is that before community, before friends, before family, you're going to declare that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And there is an accountability that is built into that decision. And so that external display of what you believe is happening when you are fully immersed in water. Now, in church world, I want to be honest, there's a lot of debate on what happens if your elbow sticks out? And what happens if you get sprinkled as a baby? And those are all important questions to ask. We can't get there today. But what you need to know simply is that we at Eastview, we practice full immersion. We want you to just go under the water because that's what Jesus did. We just read it in Mark 1. He was fully immersed and he came out and he saw something that we're, we're going to talk about in just a moment. And the, the final, someone was trying to airdrop something to me. Hold on, I'll, I'll get to that later. Um, the final symbol is that just like when you get married and, you're, and you begin to change as a person, your marriage develops over time, when you start to follow Jesus officially and you declare that to everyone, which is a big deal, we believe two things, two major things happen. And Peter lays this out for us in Acts 2. 
you are forgiven of your sins, first and foremost. And then second, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Those two factors alone are a game changer. You have to change. You can't stay the same. Now, people, after they get baptized, people look different on that process, on that journey, in that growth. Some people develop really fast. They grow. Some people take a little more time than others. But nonetheless, there is a change that's happening internally that not everyone gets to see all the time. Just like in a marriage, in in a relationship, people on the outside don't always see how your marriage is growing, how it's developing. It's something inside, and we'll talk about that more as well. So that's what baptism is. That's like the cliff notes. That's the 30,000-foot view. There will be more time to ask these questions and, and to talk about this, but that's what baptism, we believe, is. Can someone tell me, what's the second question? Someone say, someone have it? Someone have it? What is it? That's right. Why does Jesus get baptized? Especially if we're thinking about the third factor. If baptism cleanses, cleanses us of our sins and we receive the Holy Spirit, well, we already said this. Jesus, he's perfect. He's holy. He's blameless. Why does he have to get baptized? One of the simple answers I I believe why he does, it's not that he has to get baptized. It's that he gets to be baptized. Let me paint this picture for us uh, in Mark 1. Verse 10, just as Jesus, ready, he was coming out of the water. He was fully immersed by John the Baptist who baptized him. He comes out and then it says he, he, as in Jesus, not Mark writing, but Jesus, he sees probably this direction since he's coming out of the water, heaven being torn open. The last time a phrase like this was used in scripture was when creation was happening. And the, and the skies were open and water came from the ground and from the earth. So it's almost like Mark is trying to get at, like, hey, there's something different that's happening about this baptism. And I don't think the people who are all around Jesus as he's getting baptized, I don't think they all see that. In fact, when we were talking about this passage this week, um, our lead pastor, Mike, he said, it's likely that there were thousands of people who were getting baptized. So imagine, like, Connor gets baptized, pretty standard, nothing nothing big, and then Jesus is right after me. He gets baptized and things are way different. And then the poor guy after Jesus, you know, he's like, whoa, I didn't see heaven open. Or like the, the rest of this verse says, a dove comes from above. What I think Jesus is doing, first and foremost, he's, he's being obedient. He's being obedient to God, his Father. He's being submissive. He's being submissive to his Father, which is a tough thing for for me personally to wrap my head around, I think, man, that's just tough because I wrestle with that as a person who struggles with control sometimes and, and likes to take things in my own hands. But Jesus, who had all power, didn't need to get baptized. He says, I'm gonna set an example, not only for the people who are all around me, but for the people who are gonna get baptized after me in the future. And then uh, what's beautiful uh, after he sees 
heaven open up. He sees this dove, which represents the Holy Spirit in this passage, coming upon him, which is why we believe you receive the Holy Spirit in addition to other texts that verify this. But then God's words to Jesus. This is vital in this passage. Verse 11. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. I said this in the beginning. God loves Jesus. He loves him unconditionally. He loves us. But you would imagine if a kid is obedient to their parent. Like if Presley does something that I'm like, please, let's get this right. Let's, and she's 17 months, so I need to ease up a little bit. But dream with me. If she is learning a skill or um, like we're trying to get her to say, thank you and please, just the basic stuff. And when she says it, I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you, Presley. Great job. I still love her. I don't love her any less if she doesn't say that, but I just want her to, to listen to us, to respect us. But more importantly, so when she grows up, she can show that same love and respect to other people. And, and it's as if Jesus is following in those same step as, steps as his father. He's being obedient and submissive when he doesn't have to, but he gets to. I think the final thought with this question that I have is, is Jesus is teaching us that baptism is much less of a ceremonial thing and it's much more of a relational thing. It's formal. We prepare for it. We put on a calendar. We invite people to it. That's important. But at the end of the day, baptism is relational. It's a moment between you and God. That's what happens. Jesus is seeing something in the sky and a dove coming and it's likely no one else has seen that. That's between him and God. But then it quickly becomes a communal thing because based on what Mark is saying, Mark probably heard a voice. The people around Jesus probably heard a voice and they're thinking, I don't think my baptism's gonna go like that. I think that was just for this guy because He's different. Baptism baptism is a personal thing, but it is also a communal thing. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. And I think that's why he gets baptized. So that's the second question. What's the third one? Someone write that one down. Yell it out to me. Third question, third question. That's right. So we've answered what is baptism? We've answered, why does, why does Jesus get baptized? And the, the third question, like she said, how does getting baptized make you look more like Jesus? So we got to go to a different passage for this part. So if you're on the Bible app, if you have your physical Bible, just quickly with me, we're only going to do this one time. Uh, flip over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse uh, 26 and 27. So before, um, before I read that, I want to set this up. Paul, in this passage, he is aligning himself with Jesus in terms of reinforcing a truth about what baptism is. And so what we're about to read, I want you to like not just read it like you're reading for information. I want you to read it and you're picturing something because this is a picture kind of a verse. Like if it was a, this was a picture book, 
this verse would be the picture, okay? So Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And then verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That clothed yourself phrase is really important. Uh, It comes from a Greek word called enduo. And it basically paints this picture, this this idea that it's like uh, consuming something. Like if, imagine when it's cold, you're on the couch and you put a blanket over you, you're getting enduoed by your blanket, right? And so here's kind of the way I see it. This is actually water from that baptistry, so it's more special than the tap, I guess. But this is the picture that Paul is painting for us. When Jesus gets baptized, yes, these are toddler shirts. I, uh, I can, if you're wondering, why does he have a tiny shirt? I thought they were normal adult-sized ones, and found out this morning they weren't. So I will not be putting this on. However, Jesus, when he gets baptized, his clothing, per se, his aura, his person, who he is, he's spotless and blameless. And so when he gets baptized by John, the change looks different than our change. The intent is different than than our intent, right? But here's the reality for us, and I don't know you all that well. I've only been around this church for eight months, but here's what I'm going to imagine. If I could put myself back into high school, Connor in high school, uh, a lot shorter, uh, probably didn't smell as good, um, very single, things have changed, which is good. (laughs) Things were rough in high school sometimes, right? Would you agree with me? High school is difficult, and there are things that happen. Uh, There are decisions that you make, right, and they just mark you. There are people who make decisions for you. You didn't have any, any choice in the matter, and those decisions mark you. Maybe you're just trying to figure things out. You didn't intend to do anything wrong, but you found yourself in a situation you wish you wouldn't have been in the first place. And all just the, all the things of life that you can't even put to words. They just mark us sometimes. Things we see, things we do, but we didn't even think were a big deal. The way that we go in the, the bowl, it's a lot different than Jesus went in. We go in with shame, with guilt, with regret. And all of our shirts may look a little different. Some may look a little less dirty than others, but that's not the point. We all have a shirt that is marked up in some way. And that's just the truth. And so when Paul is painting this picture of Enduo, he's saying when you get immersed, even if it's 2,000 years later, you rise like this. And the way that God sees you is like Jesus. Because when you take steps of becoming like Jesus, it changes the way that God sees you. So God sees you as he sees Jesus. You're loved. You have a purpose. You're beloved. 
The hard truth for us sometimes, honestly, something that I struggle with is what about the backside? Just because you get baptized, just because you say yes to Jesus doesn't mean that the scars are gone. Doesn't mean that the wounds aren't there. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's where the change of being forgiven of your sins, of the Holy Spirit entering you and challenging you and growing you and community and church and people who love you help you work through those scars, help you work through those wounds, help you work through those things that baptism wasn't meant to cure. You see, we say baptism doesn't work or giving my life to Jesus doesn't work because it's not gonna change really everything that I wanted to change. And that's true. There are some things that just by simply getting in water, you can't wash away. But the problem is if you say no to the water, if you say no to Jesus, nothing is ever going to be changed. That's not Jesus' heart for you. That's not God's heart for you. That's the how you look more like Jesus because you are literally immersed in who he is. And the final question for us today, and I'll be done, is why? Why would you want to get baptized? Maybe we already touched on it. But can you imagine getting baptized like Jesus did and you had the creator looking down at you and saying, I love you. You are already perfect and holy and blameless, but I'm proud of you. If the son of God needs to hear those words, I guarantee we need that. As difficult or as a maybe stubborn or as strong-willed or as tough as we like to be, we need that affirmation that comes when we take a next step of getting baptized. And you don't have to wait until everything looks spotless and blameless. You don't have to wait until your life is at rock bottom either. It can happen at any time. The why is because when you take a next step towards Jesus, it changes the way that God looks at you. It affirms, it confirms, it finalizes the beginning of a new journey, a new life. And in this rest of this series, we get to talk about how that works, how we utilize the spirit that is now within us, that now indwells in us because of getting enduoed, becoming one with Christ as he did. My prayer for us this morning, again, I don't, I don't know you all that well, and hopefully this is the beginning of that being different. I'd love to hang out and hear more and get to know you better. But my prayer is that if you're already baptized, great, that's awesome. I just want you to recognize that there is something in you. It wasn't just a moment of getting wet in the water. It was a supernatural and a practical thing coming together and signifying to everyone who is in the room that you love Jesus and you want your life to look different, but you can't do that by yourself. Would you lean back into that truth if that's slipped away today? And if you haven't gotten baptized, here's all I say about that. Things don't change unless you do something different. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just start asking some questions. I would encourage you to find a small group leader today or maybe this week or 
within the next couple weeks before Christmas and just start asking, hey, this guy Connor talked about baptism. Like, what really is this all about? And what, what should I do with that? If that's your takeaway, I'm happy. The work is done. That's what God wants of us today. That's what he wants of you today. And I pray that that would happen. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me this cool moment just to get to know some really cool people and get to know some names. And I just pray that how you've already been working, that you would just bring some of that work to fruition and convict if needed. Um, Encourage students in here if needed. Ultimately, we ask that your will be done. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.